Did you know that you can get this same great episode of the Royal Woman podcast ad-free? I get it. Listening to ads during a podcast isn't always my favorite either, but in order to keep the lights and coffee pot on here at the Rural Woman Podcast Studios, they are necessary. I am so grateful to each and every one of my sponsors, but if you yourself would like to skip the ads while supporting the show, consider joining me over on Patreon. Patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast get ad-free episodes starting at Tier 5 on their podcast player of choice each week, plus some other great benefits. Find out more by heading to the link in today's show notes to learn how you can become a patron through Patreon. Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Esther Vandenhoven. Esther is a first-generation farmer who, along with her husband and two kiddos, run a 300-head sheep farm in Rimby, Alberta. Esther grew up in northern British Columbia and attended Olds College for Equine Sciences, then proceeded to get her Bachelor's of Science in Equine Management in England. Recently, Esther has taken the leap from working off of the farm to now farming full-time with the hopes that they will be able to transition to the farm being their family's primary source of income. Esther shares with us today her personal experiences with growing their operation, as well as her experience with postpartum depression as a rural mother. Before we get to today's interview with Esther, let's go over our listener review of the week. This week's listener review comes from Nick Knack Toes via Apple Podcast. This five-star rating and review is titled, I Love This Podcast. I'm recently engaged to a fourth-generation Saskatchewan rancher and just moved out to the family farm last fall. Listening to all the stories from Women in Egg is so inspiring, and every episode always leaves me with more and more ideas to try. This spring, I am planting my very first vegetable and cut flower garden, and I am currently saving for a duck and chicken coop. This podcast has made all of my dreams feel achievable and helps me believe one day I'll be able to quit my town job for a full-time farm job. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for always finding the best ladies in the industry to interview. You keep my drives into work and my Instagram feed full of smart, driven, and powerful rural women. Well, thank you so much for your kind words and that kind rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And friends, if you haven't left a rating and review, I highly encourage you to do so and you will be able to hear your kind words on an upcoming episode of the show. We have so much to dive into with Esther today. So without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Esther. Esther, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. I am so excited to get to share your story today. Thanks, Caitlin. It's really awesome to be here. I am looking forward to talking to my fellow Albertan, Esther. Um, 
tell us how you got your start in agriculture and how you became a rural woman. Well, I did not grow up in agriculture. I grew up on an acreage in northern BC. We had horses at my insistence because I absolutely loved them, even though I was allergic to them, but pushed through and we got there. So I grew up with horses and then I went, I attended Olds College in Olds, Alberta and to the equine program there. And then I went to continue my education, I guess, in England to Hartbury to get a bachelor's of science in equine management. And then when I was done that, I was looking at moving back home and I did not want to go back to Northern BC because it was very oil field up there. And I really wanted to stay closer to where I was, I found home, which was in Olds, honestly. So I actually ended up moving to Airdrie. And then quite soon after that, I started dating my now husband in, uh, what was that, 2013, we started dating. And he is a dairy farmer. Well, was a dairy farmer, I guess. (laughs) His family had about, I think it was 50 head of dairy cattle when we first started dating. Then I spent All my weekends, I would drive up from Airdrie to Rimby every weekend so that I could spend time on the farm Uh, just because I liked seeing all the animals and I liked the calves and I got to help feed the calves and I thought that was great. And then they sold the dairy a little while after we started dating. And when we moved in together, we moved into a house in town in Rimby. And then we lived there together for a little while. And then One day we got a call from my now father-in-law that said some land had come up for sale close to where they farmed, where they they still had a a beef operation and a grain operation. So this land had come up for sale. It was another dairy farm that had sold out and they had three quarters of land and they didn't want to split the land. And there was a, a house and a yard on one of the pieces and they had no use for a house at all. So we decided, he asked us if we wanted to move back onto a farm. So we did because you take every opportunity to come back to the country. And then we moved, we lived here for two years. We kept our foot in farming with his parents a little bit. We rented uh, some cropland so that we could pay for the farm, the part that we bought into the house part. And then we had a few cows that were running with their herd but it was, it was looking like we had this whole, we had a whole yard. We had outbuildings and an old dairy barn that was sitting there doing nothing. And we didn't know what to do with it. We spent two years trying to think of everything we could just to use the, the empty buildings that were just sitting around. And it occurred to, I can't remember who, it was probably me, that we could get sheep. And we could lamb them out in the barn and it would be, it would be wonderful. We could just, you know, we already had the facility. I thought it would be so easy just to change it to a sheep facility from a cow facility. So we bought 50 head of sheep in 2017 and haven't looked back. And then we just keep growing. (laughs) You became a farmer then back in 2017. I, I did. That is so great. So can I ask, what was it about dairy farming that interested you? Was there anything that did interest you about dairy farming or was it strictly that there was animals there and it was (laughs) really fun to feed them with a bottle? (laughs) 
mostly at that point, it was so, it was the animals. I just needed to be around the animals. I had, the year that I had spent in England was entirely in a city. I had very little interaction with animals and that was really, really hard for me. That was one of the hardest years I've ever had. And then when I moved to Airdrie, I tried to have a horse there for a little while, but it was so expensive to board that it just wasn't a feasible option for, for somebody living on their own. So I, I had to send her back, back up to my parents in Fort St. John because I just could not, I couldn't afford her. So then I got to spend time with the cows and I did, I do really enjoy the baby calves, but I didn't spend a lot of time with the cows on the dairy side. I'm also allergic to them. So <laughs> how did you get so lucky to be allergic to all of these things that you're so attracted to? <laughs> well, luckily it's just like, it's not a deathly allergic thing. It's just like my, I, my eyes swell up and I can't, I have trouble seeing and <laughs> I just take Claritin it's, and it's fine. But, and if I'm around them enough, I build up an immunity to it, which is how I can, I can keep going. Right. So I used to be allergic to all the animals that I have now, but as long as I'm around them, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you are persistent, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so great. And I guess I should say what, you know, you were interested in dairy farming, but I think you were also interested in the dairy farmer at the time. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so you had mentioned that you grew up on an acreage in northern BC. Were you producing food on your acreage for your family or what were some of your first memories of either growing food or raising food? We always had a garden and that was like my mom always did the gardening, but we haven't, we didn't really raise food. We just had horses. My dad worked in the oil patch and he was not home very much. So we, the only reason we had horses is because I was very insistent and I did most of the care for them, but we never had anything that was food producing until the sheep here. So tell us more about your operation now and the sheep and what you guys have been doing since 2017. Yeah, so since since we started, we've kind of grown exponentially every year, mostly because I keep wanting more and my husband doesn't know how to say no. So we, we bought 50 of them in 2017. In 2018, we bought seven, uh, 75 more and then... We kind of hit that 110, 120 lambing a year. And then in 2020 was a big jump for us. My, my parents retired and decided that they were going to move to Pinoca, Alberta, because I have an elderly aunt that lives there. So caring for her was easier. And in doing so, when they moved down here, they wanted to invest some of their retirement money into land. So they purchased two quarters of land by Rimby with the intention of farming it with us. So we went from farming about 120 sheep and we cropped 50 acres a year to we are now this 2021, we had three 
quarter sections of land that we farmed, a grain quarter, a hay quarter. We rent some of our home quarter to my in-laws for their cows. And then we bought another hundred head of sheep in 2021. So (laughs) because we knew we were going to have access to more land, the hay land was the big one that we would have access to make our own hay. So that was the big jump. And then that's where we are now. (laughs) That is a very big jump. And what a great thing and what a great gift of your parents of investing in your future in this way. And I just think it's really neat seeing, you know, the, I would say, the other in-laws, so your husband's in-laws, your parents, really believing in this. You know, if they grew up in agriculture or they were around it, then that might be kind of a no-brainer for them. But for them to really invest in this and believe in you two, like what a great gift that is. And, you know, yay, mom and dad, like go for <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was, it was a huge catalyst for us to be able to shift into one of us being a full-time farmer and not both of us working different jobs in town. And we couldn't have done it without them. Yeah. Tell us more about that. You both originally were working full-time in town when you purchased your farm. And now you've been able to transition where you are a full-time farmer at home. So Tell us what that was like making that big decision. Yeah, so my husband works as an instrumentation tech in the oil field doing mostly maintenance, which means that he is home at night most of the time, which is nice. And I sold insurance for the cooperators in Rimby for six years, including my maternity leave. And then it was... I was planning on, after our second child was born, I was planning on going back part-time because we learned the hard way that not being home when we lamb causes losses that are intolerable. So I was always planning on being home during lambing, but I thought that I would go back when we weren't lambing so that we would have some stable income. But it got to a point where we had just stopped, we had just lambed in 2021, and I was looking at going back and I was exhausted. I couldn't. I was trying to be mom to, to two little boys and run a farm and make sure we ate healthy and do all of these things. And something had to go. It was a it was the breaking point that I could not. I had to admit to myself I couldn't do everything. I had to choose something to go. And if it was the farm or working in town. I choose staying at the farm. Right. And I just want to commend you for taking that time to acknowledge the burnout and being worn out because I don't think people give themselves enough time to even think about that. They just keep going and they keep pushing through these feelings. And, you know, if you've been a human alive in the last two plus years, then you know that uh, burnout is a real thing. And the world that we live in is not the same as it was a few years ago for many different reasons. But you had shared with me previous to our recording about your experience with postpartum with your boys. And you have graciously agreed to share that experience with my audience here. And I want to just give you 
give you the platform here to share what that was like for you. You've had two pregnancies now with two little boys. And I'm sure each and every one of the pregnancies was different, but I'm sure some of the things were similar. Give us your thoughts and your experience with postpartum as a rural woman. Yeah, it's really hard being a mom and realizing you're the one that's supposed to fix everything for this little tiny human that no one knows except you. Because you I spend nine months getting to know this baby and then it comes out of me and I'm the only one that knows it. <laughs> so then I, I, and I, and you're supposed to know everything, but you don't. I had my first baby in December of 2018 and I did not realize that I needed help until October of 2019. So I spent almost a full year suffering in silence because I didn't know I I didn't know what I was experiencing was was something that other people experienced I didn't know that it was okay to talk about it I was very secretive I didn't want anybody to know because I was very ashamed of the fact that I I felt like I couldn't do it I would one thing would go wrong that shouldn't be a big deal but it was, and then I would just crack and break. And I remember one day I was out and the sheep got out. Okay. It happens every, well, not every day, thank goodness, but quite often. But that day I just, I lost it. I was in the middle of the field. I was bawling. I called my mother-in-law to come and look after my son because I could not function and I thought that was normal being being in a place that you don't know a lot of people and thinking that the people that you do know if they find out that you're struggling with something like that there's no anonymity in rural communities everybody knows everybody everybody knows everything so how do you how do you admit that you need help when you know that half the people in town are going to judge you for it. It is a problem in rural communities across wherever um, when it comes to asking for help and sharing our stories. And I just, I can't thank you enough for sharing that piece with us because by you doing this, you are allowing somebody else to ask for that help or to reach out and say, I didn't know this isn't how I was supposed to feel like, right? Because when you're a first-time mom or when you're a first-time insert whatever and you have these experiences that, quote, shouldn't affect people in that way, but they do, whether that's you need help from a counselor or a doctor or whomever, or just somebody to sit down and have coffee with that you know won't judge you can be the help that people need. So thank you for sharing that. And I obviously have not experienced postpartum depression or anything such as, but the anxiety and depression that I've had in my life and still currently do have in my life, one of the things that has helped me and 
I hope may help somebody listening to this right now. When we talk about, you know, these people will judge me or, you know, I don't want to tell them because X, Y, and Z, whatever, you know, reason that you give yourself. One way to combat that and is a technique that I've learned is to respond to yourself and say to yourself, well, who told you that? Who told you that these people are going to judge you? Who told you that they're not going to support you or that they're going to think you're not a good mom or whatever it is? And hopefully that little nugget snaps you out of whatever it is that you are thinking, because it's more than likely. Yes, there are the Karens in the world who will think whatever, (laughs) right? But it's more than likely that if people know you, they have at least enough respect for you that they would be able to point you in the right direction to get help or at least have a listening ear. They might not have the right thing to say to you, but they, they're they most likely going to be there for you. So that's my nugget of wisdom, if it means anything. <laughs> it's, it's very true. I am much more vocal about it now, even though I'm I'm still in the middle of it in many respects, but I'm not afraid to tell people that I had slash have postpartum depression now transitioning into maybe just normal depression or anxiety (laughs) because I, I don't know how long that postpartum thing lasts, but, and that I'm on medication and these are, these are not things that I am ashamed of anymore. I am proud of them. Yeah. I'm proud of you for being proud of them. So thank you. Thank you for all of that. And, uh, I'm getting misty over here and I didn't even plan on that. (laughs) You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman Podcast Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the Rural Woman Podcast. So tell us more about your boys and how much they love the farm life. Oh man. I I absolutely love having them on the farm and in particular with the sheep because I do not worry about them getting run over. I don't worry about them doing getting hurt. They just go mimbly bimbly running around with the flock and it's wonderful. My youngest, he's he's uh, almost 2 and he'll just go into the sheep pens and say go sheep go. <laughs> Oh, that is so fun. They have learned so much being with the animals. They sometimes I'll catch them with even like one of the dogs and they're just like sitting there petting just so gently. And they have such kind, they have kind hearts towards these little creatures that they look after. I think kids growing up on the farm are probably 
some of the luckiest kids out there to be able to experience what they get to experience. And, you know, or you can be 20 something bottle feeding a calf and you're probably just as excited yep. as your young boys, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it, it is wonderful to have them on the farm and it's a great experience. It is also really hard Yeah, because they're there all the time. Like you have to go deal with, with an animal that needs help. Well, kids are coming along. Like we had Oliver, he was four months old when we were lambing and he spent a lot of time in a swing because Mom had to be in the barn and that was just the way it was. And he loved his swing. So it worked out great, but (laughs) they just kind of had, they're, they're resilient because they have to learn how to adapt to different situations. Right. And I just think those are going to be great skills for them in the future and make them appreciate hopefully the life that they live on the farm and hopefully continue on the legacy that you and your husband have started with your sheep. I would be remiss not to ask from the sheeple, those are the sheep people uh, (laughs) of the world, what breed are your sheep? Oh, they are just a commercial mix. So they've got a little bit of Dorset, Suffolk, some Canadian, our cotton read or cot, a little bit of Ile-de-France in there, but not very much. They're, they're, pretty much just a meat mix. Right. And how are you marketing your meat? So we mostly just sell to the auction. In 2019, we did sales out of a market garden for the meat. We decided last year to take a step back from that because of all the other things that were being added to our plate. We just weren't going to be able to put the time in to do the selling through the garden. So we didn't do that last year. Uh, But Alberta has changed the laws so that we can apply for a license to have the animals slaughtered on our farm and sell whole animals to consumers now. So that has changed huge because that prior to this year was not legal. We had to ship them like four hours, I think was their transit time to get inspection slaughter and then back to get inspected butchered so it was a lot of a lot of travel and a lot of time and this way we can do it straight off of the farm so in 2020 we sold 11 animals directly to consumers straight off of our farm and I would like to continue to do more of that in 2022 I do need to work on the marketing side of it though that is definitely not my strong series yeah that honestly is a whole nother job in itself and that sometimes I think we forget about that there's a whole marketing piece that comes from it and your farm is a business and you know as a farmer you are out there raising your livestock growing your crops and then at the end of the day you still have to come in and sell whatever it is that you have produced and get it to market so it's a something that I don't know if we talk enough about in the standpoint of from a farmer consumer relationship. They don't know that this is part of our business and this is what we have to do. But what are your hopes for marketing? What do you ideally see your marketing look like and how would you like to be selling your sheep? 
I think the volumes that we're looking at selling, we're always going to be selling some to feedlots or auctions. But I, my goal this year is to sell 50 directly to consumer. And if I can do that, then I will be happy. There you go. You, you have said it. And now it's out in the open. So if yeah. anybody is near Rimby, <laughs> they know where they can get their lamb from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What are your future plans for your farm when it comes to expanding, when it comes to family, when it comes to all of the things? Yeah, so future, the, we kind of had, we sat down last year and we made like a 5, 10, 15 year plan. And then my parents decided to buy this land. So we did the first five years last year. So the next few years, I think, we are just planning on maintaining where we're at. We have, you know, typical to starting new new farms, our equipment is old and we don't know what needs to be done on it always. So then things break and we have to go back. So last year we kind of just patched everything together enough to get what we needed done. And then I think the next two years we're just going to be improving the pieces of equipment that we have so that we can do better with the land base that we have until we can look at renting some more land. And then as far as the sheep go, we are in the, in the midst of building a feedlot uh, set up so that we can lamb 600. So I don't think we'll get, we won't get to 600 next year. Hopefully in three years, we will be at 600 ewes. So that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot. Esther, over the last five plus years that you have been this incredible farmer, what is something that you are most proud of and that you want to share and celebrate with us? Oh, I am so proud of the changes that we've made to this farm to make it work for us. When we got here, it was somebody else's operation and we have made it ours by our own blood, sweat and tears. We have, we've changed all the corrals. We've changed everything. And I'm so proud to call this our home and it, that it's our home, not just a place we live. Yeah, that's great. My last question for you is why are you sighing? <laughs> because I know what this question is and I can't have, I don't have an answer. I was thinking about it all last night. <laughs> Esther, what is the most rewarding part about being a farmer for you? Oh, I feel like this is the moment where I'm supposed to like say something inspiring and be like, you know, it's, it's all these big important things. But honestly, the most rewarding part for me is just seeing happy, healthy animals. That is what I want. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't need to be big and bold. It can just be real simple. <laughs> <sighs> it just gets so much joy from going out there and being like, it's going to sound bad, but yes, nothing's dead. Right. <laughs> I think I've said it like at least half a dozen times in the last however many episodes. If you have livestock, you have dead stock. So if you have happy, healthy animals... That is a great feeling and yeah. very, very rewarding. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has been so great chatting with you today. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us. 
for the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? Right now we have an Instagram, which is at Split Hoof Farms. And we're on Facebook with at Split Hoof Farms as well. Website to be coming soon, but not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Keep us on the hook for that one. Okay. I will put those links in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Awesome. Thank you so much again for sharing your story with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Caitlin. It means a lot and it was really fun. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producer, Sarah Reedner of Happiness by the Acre, and to my editor, Max Hofer. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can connect with me on social media using the handle at wildrosefarmer on all platforms. If you love the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, plus share it with a friend. We'll see you next time. Join women passionate about agriculture and food at the upcoming Advancing Women in Agriculture Conference being held on June 21st and 22nd, 2022 at the Hyatt Regency in Calgary, Alberta. Re-energize and re-engage while listening to leaders in agriculture and food tell their stories. Network and make connections with other women in agriculture. Learn tips that will help you meet your goals. For more information and to register, head to advancingwomenconference.ca or head to the link in today's show notes.